Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. Today's topic is affiliations. We're going to talk about our tendency to define ourselves based on the groups that we're a part of and the ideas and habits of those groups. We'll talk about how this can limit our thinking and also damage our health. Z, why don't you kick us off? On the surface, frankly, this doesn't sound like a big deal. As human beings, we form groups. We find other people who've got the same interests. Why is this such a problem? So I've always enjoyed riding motorcycle. And one of the joys of riding motorcycle is being out in the open air and you see the world very different. You imagine yourself years ago when people rode horseback. What a, a nice experience that is. And you're not confined by the space of the car. And every now and then you'll encounter a few people that didn't have the same joy. And so you, you, you start these clubs, so to say, these get-togethers. And what you find, and what I found, is you can have a, a very strong liking to a particular thing and share that liking with people who are extremely different than you. And it's one of the things that the myth of the biker gang, right, that have come somewhat myth and I guess somewhat reality, really. So at what point do you go from just enjoying riding your bike around to pillaging the local town? And then you get the individual, separate them from the group and say, well, how did you end up involved in the pillaging of the town? How did you join the Skull and Dagger Bike Club? And you say, well, I, I just enjoyed riding and they enjoyed riding too, but they're very different than me. And then something happened. So that's when that affiliation became an affliction when you no longer were able to see, have self-governance self-awareness, your personal ethics were immersed or washed away into the group dynamic. And that's more what I'm talking about, is how something very simple. Um, I'm reading a book on craftsmen, wonderful book. On a guy interviews many craftsmen, and, and I swear when I read his book and I listen to the stories, so many of them sound like my stories. But yet, we have to be aware that there is a limit to the, to the group ability to distinguish the individual. And striving to be as well as we would like to be for longevity, for good health, for good mental well-being, we as individuals serve ourselves well to develop tools of self-distinguishing. I was at the pool the other day here on vacation and a young guy from Poland and I began to speak and talk. And real pleasant guy. And then the conversation veered uncomfortably into regional issues of his. 
And I knew things were going off the wire when he says, um, do you mind if I call you black? And I said, okay, I know where this is going. He says, why is it that there's so much crime in the black area of Chicago? And I said, I really don't know. You live in Chicago. Maybe you could give me more of the history of Chicago, the history of uh, segregation in Chicago. I, I don't know. I, you live there. I don't. But you have affiliated me with uh, a billion people on earth that you don't really know much about. And based on your encounter with a small number of those people in a very small region of the world, and you have decided to affiliate me. And my bumper sticker or cap or hashtag happens to be what you observed with me. And so I said to him, I really don't care what you call me. And I just thought of you as a young guy at the pool with his kid. And I would hope that that's how you identified me. And from there we can See if we have things in common, which we had a few things in common. It was very pleasant up until that point. And that's where affiliations go off the rail. That's where it goes from affiliation to affliction. You ask yourself when people are affiliated with certain religions. The affliction arises when that religion is not held to maybe the same social, ethical, or legal standard as those you are not affiliated with. So that affiliation has now asked you to compromise, again, your individual ethical guidelines on life. That is when it challenges the brain to juggle the math to justify behaviors based on affiliation. You follow me? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned your experience at the pool on vacation. I feel like so many times our lives parallel each other. I've been on vacation and I was at the pool the other day and there was a black man sitting next to me and he was talking to the staff and saying, you shouldn't sell Vuv champagne. Vuv Clico is made by white people. You should sell Ace of Spades. That's made by Jay-Z. Why not support the black community. So I heard this and I know that Ace of Spades is an expensive champagne. So I turned to him and I said, isn't Ace of Spades five times as expensive as Vuv? And Z, that launched a 15 minute lecture on the plight of the black man in America and how the Jews stick together, everyone sticks together. Why shouldn't blacks stick together? Why shouldn't we support one another why shouldn't I support Jay-Z? Why shouldn't I give something back? And I thought, motherfucker, what does Jay-Z have to do with you? Yeah, you're both black. Jay-Z's worth whatever number of billion dollars. You spend your money on his champagne. How is that going to help black people? That's going to make you poorer. That's going to worsen this affliction that you're talking about. Why not take the difference and use that to do something, if you really want to help, save money on champagne and spend whatever you save to help people who need it. But I couldn't even have this conversation. I couldn't even get a word in because there was no interest 
in discussion. There was no interest in dialogue. And there were a lot of assumptions about me, about how I was born with a silver spoon. There were comments such as, you work on Wall Street, you're part of the problem. There were comments such as, I've worked for every single thing that uh, I have. I'm not uh, like, uh, uh, I forget how he even put it, but the implication was he wasn't like me because he's worked. I have a job. I pay for my family. I pay for my expenses. My journey might be a little bit different, but it was like he needed to identify with a certain idea. And that idea gave him relevance and it gave him power. And if you think about the downside of that, number one, it leads to bad policy. So this policy of always supporting black people might not be the right thing to do. It might be a waste of money. Maybe there are more efficient ways of meeting your objective. And then why only support black people? To your point, Z, what do you have in common with these billion other people? Is it simply the color of your skin? And that maybe at some point down the line, someone in your family or someone who also has black skin was oppressed? Is that what defines you? Is that what you're all about? The interesting part of people aren't the broad strokes. It's the particulars, the individual stories. And all of that is washed away. I feel like it makes you, affiliations make you less interesting. They make you narrow-minded. They shut you down. Had he asked a few questions about me, maybe he would have learned a little more about Wall Street. Maybe he would have walked away with something insightful. Maybe he would understand why these institutions exist. And even if he wanted to take them down, maybe he would have the knowledge and the power to do so. But there was no interest in that whatsoever. The only mandate that this person had was proclaiming and reaffirming his affiliation. And not only is that very limited in terms of how someone thinks, just think about the energy that that requires. If you've always got to stand up and say, this is who I am, if you always have to prove to other people that this is who you are, if you always have to immerse yourself in the different affiliations that you have, and search for commonality, and accept the differences, and take on ideas and ideologies that you might not support, just so you can be part of that crowd. It sounds like a tremendous load to carry. It just sounds like a lot of stress. And I would just kind of support where you're going with that, Ben, is that's why I see that a word, affiliation, affliction. And then as you start talking, I see the infection of the brain, of the ability to have deductive reasoning this discussion about which alcoholic beverage you should buy, an alcoholic beverage which has devastated many communities and Aboriginal peoples especially have been de devastated uh, by the use of alcohol. So that in itself has blinded you where you're arguing over which liver damaging product to purchase from who. You see, there, there, to me, there's a whole problem with that, is that we can no longer think anymore because now this part of our brain is infected with the affiliation virus. And you're not even considering that if I bought poison from this guy versus that guy, how does that better my life? Uh, that's a whole nother topic, I'd imagine, but... 
That's what I start thinking when I'm hearing this story. And the people that are you're advocating to sell this product, they have no vested interest in the well-being of the group they're associated with other than that familiarity that familiarity allows for a certain level of exacting upon X amount of exploitation of a certain market. And that's the nature of business. So see it for what it is. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. When, you're, when you have affiliations, your brain becomes clouded. Everybody, none of us can, can escape that. Do you understand? None of us can escape that. And that's why we have to be very careful that every evening you should wash yourself of all affiliations and every day mindfully acquire those because as you start to look under the rug and shake these things out, you can see the path that humanity has taken when we've walked off the cliff. How did tyrants rise up? How did things go wrong? It's because when we saw things going off the rail, we adjusted our vision to support our affiliation. And that required the brain to short-circuit for what you saw as sustainable, reasonable, what people used to call good sense. You've let all that go because your affiliation is stronger than gravity. And like the poor gentleman you were talking to. He was so off. And the fact that he was sitting right there on vacation with you meant his life was going pretty well. But his affiliations may have distorted his view and didn't allow him to see that. There's a bit to ponder on that. A little bit to ponder. Yeah, it's interesting as you're talking and I just started thinking about all of the destructive outcomes that come from affiliation. I feel like the big danger is you get in a group think and you acquire a sense of morality, a sense of divine right, just because this is what the group thinks. Because we're part of this group and because we all believe the same thing, it must be right. So let's go ahead and do it. And the outcomes are incredibly destructive. You step back and you just think, how did we get to this point? This makes no sense. I'll give you a couple of examples. I remember it was the World Cup sometime in the 90s. I forget the exact year. And there was the Mexican team. And one of the soccer players ended up scoring on their own goal. And afterwards, he was killed for doing that. There was such outrage about this person, how he had cost the people the World Cup. And you step back and you think, it's a sport. Who cares? You're not making millions. You're not like the soccer players. You're not outdating models. This has no bearing on your life. You're going to wake up tomorrow and your life will go on exactly the same, regardless of who wins and who loses. But there's a sense of national pride that becomes so strong that it overrides common sense. You step away from sports and you look at the decisions that we made as a country. We had this conversation the other day. You go back to the Iraq war in 2003. There was a fabricated, uh, excuse me, a fabricated story about weapons of mass destruction. 
there was no evidence. I remember thinking at the time, this makes no sense. We've just come out and claimed that there are weapons of mass destruction without a shred of proof. And yet that became the basis for a war that's cost probably trillions of dollars and thousands of lives. And at the time, if you stood up and said, let's think about what we're doing, let's question whether this makes any sense, you were labeled a traitor. You were labeled as someone who doesn't support the United States, who supports terrorists, who's going to open the door to more 9-11 incidents. So when you have these affiliations and you have this conditioning in extreme cases, it leads to a mob mentality and it creates a complete absence of reason. It, it creates a vacuum. And in that vacuum, horrible things can happen because you're not able to stand up and object. You're not able to stand up and have any reasonable argument. You're basically at the mercy of whatever the crowd decides. Vin, you know, when you say that, it, it, it gets my, it, it really gets my blood turning. I have to take a deep breath because I think about things like that and I interact with so many different people in the course of the day and over my lifetime. That, that period of time when you get to the point where people say you're either for us or against us. You'll either cheer or you're not worthy of life. So what, what, what makes, think about the power of what makes a person go from generally decent human being who would wish no ill will upon anyone, deciding with the raise of hands, with mass hysteria, group think, mob mentality, that another person is not worthy of life simply because they wanted more details or they asked a question that everyone else was wondering. So affiliations can, inf can, can cause this affliction which infects the very essence of your humanity. This is not good for you. As an individual, it is not good for you. You talked about the events of uh, that era, uh, the World Trade event and so forth. I talked to Vietnam veterans and even after they find out, I mean, reasonable people, when they find out that the Gulf of Tonkin never happened, they find out that Richard Nixon negotiated to extend the war in order for his own individual political gain. They will still say things like, well, the North was really bad. It's not the point. Whether North was really bad or really good, it's not your business. You know, Roundup is really not good, but we're not rallying ourselves up to go after Monsanto, who's doing quite a bit of damage. Because there's no affiliation that promotes that affliction. And so that really gets you. And it, it, it's, it's like there's this discussion of patriotism. I'm going to wave a flag, and you'd better stand, because if you don't, you're not really worthy of life. 
But no one really, when you're affiliated like that, you're not thinking anymore. You're giving these people a test of loyalty, of duty. And so the people that join you are held to a much lower standard than the people that simply say, I'd rather pass on this affiliation. So then you find yourself in the company of, intimate company of, or so to say, in bed with all sorts of horrible people. And that is one of the reasons that I would say for the sake of mental health, cleanse yourselves of affiliation. If you choose to be associated with something, have some way that you renew that association through analysis on a regular basis. I used to get magazines as a, ch a child, and I had certain magazines I loved, Field and Stream, Popular Mechanics, um, the American Rifleman, Hot Rod magazine. And every year they would ask you, would you like another subscription? Would you like to re-establish your affiliation with us? Well, if, if the product is good and I like where they're going and it fits me, of course. But I want that choice and I want to be in a position where I can make that choice. And as we move into this idea of what allows us fluidity. See, life thrives where there is fluidity. It is abundant when we are flexible and supple, not rigid, not locked in. So anywhere that we have these rigid constructs, be it in our flesh or in our consciousness, we have to... to, to Mitigate that. We have to get rid of that so that there's always flow. Let all affiliations be provisional. Let all Check all your affiliations and say, are they up for critique and analysis? Or do you find yourself in a position them versus us? We're this way and they're that way. Based on a bumper sticker, a phrase, or maybe even a topic of the day. There are people who avoid health practices that could benefit them because it doesn't suit or fit their affiliation. And we want to open our minds. And that open mind allows for flowing thoughts. Those flowing thoughts allow the imagination to be innovative. That innovation allows for there to be comparative analysis. And there, empathy arises and understanding. All sorts of agreeability can happen. You can be agreeable. You can, that doesn't mean you go along with everything that comes out, but you can see that, okay, I can separate me from it. I'm never in a position where I'm pressured or pressuring someone to take a stand to determine affiliation. And when we don't do that, then we can hold those that we associate ourselves with to a higher standard. And we can also renew those associations, find value in them.
And we have to remember what one of my great teachers, Kwai Chung Lim Baker, said. He would always tell me when I was in some heated moment of self-righteousness, he would say, no one owns the truth. And as it said in the Vedas, the truth is a deep lake and few wish to leave its pristine shores and explore its unknown and perilous depths. And if we keep that in mind, we can always refresh our affiliations so that they do not come, become afflictions which cause infection. Yeah, I think you bring up some very important points. One is about flow. And I want to explore this in a second, this concept that ideas need to be free-flowing, emotions need to be free-flowing. And when we live and die by affiliation, we necessarily limit that flow. We filter out evidence that conflicts with the ideas of whatever group that we're a part of. We turn a blind eye to suffering. We turn a blind eye to to anything that tells us that we're moving in the wrong direction, that we are not justified in going to war, that our position might be untenable. We shut all of that out. So that limits flow. We shut off emotional responses. You had a good point when we talked the other day. If we think about immigration policy today, people who are hardcore Republicans have to support a policy which is locking up children and placing them in horrific conditions. And in order to be part of that group, you have to shut yourself down emotionally to the plight of young children, to their starvation, to their sickness, in some cases to their death, just so you can be a part of this group. Now, what kind of a toll is that going to take on you and your health? It becomes very difficult to maintain when you put yourself in a box and you have to shut down your natural responses and you have to shut out any ideas, any parts of reality that conflict with the ideas of the groups that you're a part of. It sickens me to see what they're doing to these kids and people. It, it, it makes me physically ill. And I look at very good people that go along with that. But these are, this is what happens. I also look at simple things. The taxing and burdening of the average person for various experiments that, social experiments that violate human evolution, which you can't violate. You can't change human evolution. There can't be universal health care and universal freedom to eat at McDonald's. They can't coexist. You can't have health care and an uneducated population who chooses to be sick and we invoke the rights for people to damage their health in such a way that it requires a tremendous social burden to keep them alive, though it was their choice to be unhealthy. But yet, we have nothing that promotes personal responsibility. And you get where I tie that in. And, and, and yeah, when you're affiliated with one group, you'll allow a tyrant or tyrants to rise. 
you allow genocide and you'll mask it as something else. I mean, the other day, there were war criminals who were being pardoned, war criminals who were being acquitted of crimes that they did because of the rah-rah nature of militarism. So the definition of war criminal changes based on whose war criminal it is. If it's your war criminal, he becomes your hero. If he's the other guy's war criminal, he's worthy of only death, doing the exact same thing. The math, the same math, but we have a twisted algebra based on affiliation. That is problematic. So for those of us who are striving to be well and healthy, strive for longevity, we want to flush our minds. Every day you go to the health food stores or different health places, they talk about cleanses, cleansing the liver, cleansing the colon, cleansing the gut, and repropagating it with healthy bacteria. We can't forget to clean the mind, flushing it out of malthought, unhealthy, viral loading of the, 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 the logic and reasoning base. Flush it out and then repropagate it with that healthy mental flora. Mistreating people is mistreating people. So if your affiliation allows that, you might want to change your affiliation because inevitably you hurt yourself. Kindness, piousness, benevolence, that benefits you more than anyone in which you are sharing that with. In some ways, the state of affiliation, it's uh, the same as any state of dogma or blind ideology. It's a very childish state. It's a sense that I'm right, my group is right, everyone else is wrong, nothing they're saying makes any sense. And that's a silly view. At some level, humanity has much in common. We all want to be happy. We all want to avoid pain. I don't think that there are certain groups of people who are fundamentally evil. Uh, maybe there are individuals who fit that definition. But I think it's very difficult to say, based on these characteristics, this group of people is stupid, this group of people is evil, this group of people lacks common sense. And having that viewpoint, not only does it lead to bad decisions, not only does it inhibit this flow that we've been talking about, it reduces compassion. It reduces the ability to understand someone else's point of view, to get along with them. It just makes it more difficult to go through life and to get that flow that we're talking about now and that we've talked about in the past. So I think we've talked quite a bit about the danger of affiliation at a macro level and the bad outcomes that we can get into as a society if we just follow groupthink and we don't think independently. But let's talk a little bit, Z, about the problems for the individual and some of the stress that this causes when you have to support whatever your group supports, when you have to pledge allegiance to an affiliation regardless of what those ideas are. You're shutting off a piece of yourself. You're forcing yourself into a certain box. You're forcing yourself to ignore certain parts of reality. What impact does that have on an individual's health? Well, there's, there are a number of uh, cases that, that I can present in, in my limited experience. I think right away about a young artist, a beautiful young woman 
who was raised in a extremely closed religious community and she was a of Filipino descent and she was around all non-Filipinos in this religious group that promoted a singular world view of religion and uh, racial hierarchy. So she never learned anything about her culture. And she told me recently as she's been on this journey of self-awakening that she always thought she was a white person with something wrong with them that made her look different. And it wasn't until she uh, got a divorce from another church member and went out into the world and started meeting people who found her to be intelligent, beautiful. Uh, and they would always ask her, so tell me about your family. Tell me about your culture. And she knew nothing. And it was very awkward for her. Then she started to research and that swung the penalty of the way where she became very proud of herself and very inquisitive about her background. And then she became angry that the people that she had loved and the care for had hit all that of her and it brought up issues of distrust and, and, and different takes on events in her life that were very troubling. And then that started to settle down and as intelligence and enlightenment came, she just became very happy and comfortable with herself like she had never done in life. So it had robbed her for the first 30 years of her life with just self-comfort. So she made very um, bad decisions about relationships, marriages, everything based on self-hatred. And it wasn't what she would call self-hatred, but the fact that you don't exist as a human being is another type of self-loathing. And that self-loathing gave her certain decisions. And I've seen a number of cases like that. I remember many years ago, I was uh, I used to teach a class at a center, and there was a young lady who worked at the desk who uh, resembled one of my relatives. And I always enjoyed speaking with her. And, and I went up to her one day, and I said, so what, what part of Africa is your family from? And she just froze. She says, what, what, what do you mean? I'm white. And I said, okay, I left it at that. And I could see from, there was no question about the anthropological markers on her face, her body, that she was of African descent, of recent African descent, since all human beings are of African descent. I would say she was very recent, within a generation or two, African descent. And she was very angry at me for saying that. She said, you, you, you said that, and, and I feel hurt. And I'm not racist, but I've been trying to lose weight and change my body all my life, and I've had eating disorders. And people tease me about that. And, 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 you know, I don't, and it bothered me when you said that. I said, well, I won't say it again. And then the occasion came where I met her father. And her father, though he was had a pale complexion, he had distinct African features. And we had a lot in common. He had been in the Air Force. I had been in the Air Force. We started to talk. And I said, so what's up, man? He said, um, 
we had it real hard in the South where I came from. So I passed as white, but I just assumed everyone knew. And when I was in the Air Force, there was a lot of racism, and it made it easier if I just didn't say anything, and I worked quietly behind the scenes to make the black airmen more comfortable. And they knew, but he said a lot of my peers didn't know. And I met my wife, and we have a happy marriage, and we just never talked about it. I said, wow. And his wife happened to walk up and say, talk about what? She says, me. Well, what about you? She says, well, you know I'm black, right? And she said, yeah, but you're my husband, and so what? She says, but a lot of people don't, and our kids don't know. So it became a very disruptive thing in the family. And this idea that affiliations come with this cognitive dissonance that has to go with it. That you, you're not even allowed to see things that are right in front of you and because it, 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 it's these different associations. It's like religions, if you're affiliated with a religion or a fraternity or a union, you're not allowed to see other things. Unions, based on technology and history, can, can no longer exist. They just can't. They, they, they fit a moment in history and they did a wonderful thing for the working peoples of the world, technology has changed. Pensions can no longer work the way they used to work. So pensioners who are in parts of certain unions that at one point, based on population, could be taking care of all of their life. They can't do it anymore. People live longer. The financial markets are changing. Technology has changed, turned our world upside down. We have to drop affiliations and, and, and kind of redeploy our associations. The world is fluid and dynamic. But these affiliations don't allow that. Z, I think what you're describing on the one hand is extremely intuitive, and we've talked about it in the past. It's really a mindset of science, of scientific inquiry. And as you've noted, a good scientist is always going to try to disprove their ideas. They're, they're going to look for evidence that disproves their hypothesis. They're going to consider other models, other explanations for whatever phenomena they're investigating. And only when they've checked off all the boxes and they've said, I can't find ev any evidence that disproves my idea, at that point, they're saying, I'm willing to hold on to my idea as a good working model of reality. But it's also provisional. It's not even absolute. It's a recognition that it's only a partial description. And if a better model or a better idea comes along, they're free to take that better idea. And that's how we advance as a civilization. Uh, that's how science moves forward. So in the scientific realm, it's very well established. And we're really talking about the same thing, which is be open, be fluid. Get to the truth. Consider multiple points of view. 
don't hold on to ideas dogmatically just because other people or other groups that you're a part of subscribe to those ideas. I think the challenge is when you move from science to someone's personality and you take a look at their affiliations, those affiliations become part of their identity. And for better or for worse, a lot of us derive esteem. We derive purpose. We derive a sense of self from those affiliations. Because we're part of this religion, that gives our life meaning. Because we're part of this group, we're superior, whatever it is. Uh, but we use affiliations to create meaning for us, to create structure, to create purpose. And that's why it becomes very threatening to do something that's as simple as looking for the truth. On the surface, who wouldn't want to look for the truth? Who wouldn't want to take all points of view into consideration and find an idea or a policy that's in our collective best interest? But I think the reason we don't is because that threatens our sense of self. It threatens the esteem that we've built up. And that's why you get the reactions that you describe. You talk to people and present them with evidence that conflicts with their point of view, and they get very angry. They get defensive. They start attacking. They attack the messenger because it's too painful to consider something that's different than what their affiliations suggest. So given that many of us do this and many of us have deep attachment to these affiliations, how do we go about cultivating that mindset where we're more open to fluid thought and we're more open to challenging our own ideas? For one, then I would say fluid thought is healthy for the brain. We don't want neuroatrophy. We don't want our brain to dry. We want to always keep our minds flexible, and that prevents uh, the degeneration of the brain, known as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and all these sorts of things, and dementia. Let's keep exercising our brain. That's, that's the single benefit to that. Is it, it's it, like you exercise your muscle and you cross-train your muscle. We should also cross-train our brain. Also, I understand and I honor that there are people who don't seek truth. They seek confirming, to confirm ideas they hold dear to them. They want the simple answer. All over the world, we see the blight of religiosity, religious fanaticism, orthodoxy, that under other circumstances, very reasonable people very reasonable people will hold on to very unreasonable ideas. And because the truth is that we will all die. A simple truth is there's been nobody that's come back that can tell us what happens after life. So when people come up with folklore and all this sorts of stuff, it, it, it's very comforting. And I like the idea in Buddhism, Taoism, and Hinduism that the life we know is an illusion. And what you love about a person exists in your heart. So the physical body is only a temporary house that stores the energy of the thing that we love in each other. And that gives you a bit more comfort. And if you're if you're a seeker of intelligence. So, sadly, there are people who aren't good scientists and they don't like good science. 
They want to prove their theory, not disprove it. It's easier to blame someone else than to take personal responsibility. But there's a certain type of intelligence that allows you to first take personal responsibility. And when you've exhausted that, then you can look at outside forces that are influencing what's going on in your life. So for those who are first looking at personal responsibility, take responsibility for your affiliations. Set up a quick internal map and scale. How does it benefit you? And where's the limit of it? And you'd be much better off. The truth is not always sweet. The truth is bitter medicine. The truth is like the Muslim scimitar. It cuts both ways. But it is clarity. Inevitably, it is always good. If you go to the doctor and you get a blood test and get your scans done and you get your annual and you want to know the truth. Say, Doc, tell me the truth. Am I okay or not? And if he says, hey, you're not okay, then you know what? That, that gave you, gives you something to work with. And if you are okay, it gives you something to continue to maintain and strive for or to improve upon. But don't be in denial. Don't ostrich yourself and stick your head in the sand. If you see that your associations and affiliations have drunk the rail, get off that train, get off that track with them and get back on the right track of clear thinking. Exercise your mind. Exercise your thinking. Exercise the regions of your brain. Go from room to room to structure to structure the brain and clean it up. Freshen it up so that it is not rigid and stiff. And this promotes good memory, good health, good clarity, good cognitive function. Rigidity is the opposite of that. Hard, concrete, linear affiliations are not good for you. I like this idea of treating your affiliations like a magazine subscription and periodically checking in and asking, are these still providing me value? Is this still something that I subscribe to? And if not, moving on and choosing something else. I would just add that people should remember we are not our affiliations. Affiliations are a matter of convenience. Maybe they provide company. Maybe we start with a group of like-minded people. As you mentioned, maybe we enjoy riding a motorcycle, so we find other people who enjoy riding a motorcycle. So we affiliate with groups because they provide some value to us, but they don't define us. And I think a lot of the fear and resistance to the truth comes when we turn an affiliation from a convenience into an identity. Because as soon as our affiliation is something that we are, instead of something that we happen to be a part of, we're in very dangerous territory. We start thinking, oh my God, if this group is wrong, if their ideas are wrong, I'm part of this group, what does that say about me? What does that say about who I am, what I care about, what my life is all about? But if we've never attached ourselves in that way to begin with, it's much easier to move on. If we just treat it as a tool of convenience, we can take a look and say, is this providing us value? 
are the ideas, the behaviors, the habits of the members of this group something that promote our best interest, that promote decent outcomes? And if not, let's move on to something else. So I think a lot of the fear can dissipate when we break that link between an affiliation and our sense of who we are as a person. Very uh, good, Vin. Um, as you're talking, I think about when you drive down the road and highways and you'll see people with various bumper stickers and tags on their car, sponsorships, affiliation, announcement of affiliation. And it's to either invite or to provoke. What if we did neither? What if our logo or our bumper sticker just said me, non-affiliated, no sponsor? Or maybe you just opted out. Who would you offend then? And that would be an interesting study on just who would be offended by you being non-affiliated. So I think you're right. It is pretty powerful to just step back and say, I'm not affiliated or I am affiliated at this moment and those affiliations might change and those affiliations are not who I am. And let me actually find other people who have the same mindset and who are committed to acting decently and who are committed to discovering the truth. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.